Do you like what you hear? Then you need a deaf and bass. Deaf and bass. Better by design. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who is conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. On the third day he rose again, he ascended into heaven, he is seated at the right hand of the Father, and he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Greetings and salutations in the name of our Lord. Welcome to another fabuloso day in the Lord's neighborhood. And another episode of Coffee, the Bible, and Page. I'm Page, your caffeine-imbued host. Here's the source of my caffeine, my coffee. In the beginning, God created the coffee bean, and lo, it was good. It was very good. I'm not sure which day he invented it on, but I'm glad he did. Today, we are going to move into Leviticus chapter 11. I have to confess, I woke up this morning. Yes, I'm doing this the morning of. I'm recording this the morning of posting it. Usually I do it the night before. I didn't do it last night because I didn't have anything to say. I remember just looking at this thing. It's going to be giving dietary instructions about what foods they can eat and not eat. And I'm think and I remember going to bed going, "Lord, I I just honestly don't see what I can get out of this." And um the Lord does not disappoint. I think we, I have something very cool to share with you that, that I can apply to my life, which is the whole purpose of doing this devotional, right? When you do a devotional, you're, you're meditating on the law of the Lord. You're meditating on the word. You're talking to yourself about it. That's me, because I think with my mouth open. So today, let's look at Leviticus chapter 11, and um, let's see if maybe I heard God right. Let's get started. The Lord said to Moses and Aaron, Say to the Israelites, Of all the animals that live on the land, these are the ones you may eat. You may eat any animal that has a divided hoof and chews the cud. There are some that only chew the cud or only have a divided hoof, but you must not eat them. The camel, though it chews the cud, does not have a divided hoof, so don't eat it. It is ceremonially unclean for you. The hyrax, though it chews the cud, does not have a divided hoof. Don't eat it. It's unclean for you. The rabbit, though it chews the cud, does not have a divided hoof. It is unclean for you. And the pig, though it has a divided hoof, does not chew the cud. It is unclean for you. You must not eat their meat or touch their carcasses. They are unclean for you. Now, I have a note about this at the end. We'll get to that in a minute. 
Of all the creatures living in the water of the seas and the streams, you may eat any that have fins and scales. But all creatures in the seas or streams that do not have fins and scales, whether among all the swarming things or among all the other living creatures in the water, you are to regard as unclean. And since you are to regard them as unclean, you must not eat their meat. You must regard their carcasses as unclean. Anything living in the water that does not have fins and scales is to be regarded as unclean by you. Now, these are the birds that you're to regard as unclean and not eat because they are unclean. The eagle, the vulture, the black vulture, the red kite, any kind of black kite, any kind of raven, the horned owl, the screech owl, the gull, any kind of hawk, the little owl, the cormorant, the great owl, the white owl, the desert owl, the osprey, the stork, and any kind of heron, the hoopoe, and the bat. Basically, any bird that is a uh, predator bird and that would feast on carcasses and roadkill, for lack of better terms. All flying insects that walk on all fours are to be regarded as unclean by you. There are, however, some flying insects that walk on all fours that you may eat. Those that have jointed legs for hopping on the ground. Of these, you may eat any kind of locust, katydid, cricket, or grasshopper. Ugh. But all other flying insects that have four legs, you are to regard as unclean. You will make yourselves unclean by these. Whoever touches their carcasses will be unclean till evening. Whoever picks up one of their carcasses must wash their clothes, and they will be unclean until evening. Every animal that does not have a divided hoof or that does not chew the cud is unclean for you. Whoever touches the carcass of any of them will be unclean. Of all the animals that walk on all fours, those that walk on their paws are unclean for you. Whoever touches their carcasses will be unclean till evening. Anyone who picks up their carcasses must wash their clothes and they will be unclean until evening. These animals are unclean for you. Of the animals that move along the ground, these are unclean for you. The weasel, the rat, any kind of great lizard, the gecko, the monitor lizard, the wall lizard, the skink, and the chameleon. Of all those that move along the ground, these are unclean for you. Whoever touches them when they are dead will be unclean till evening. When one of them dies and falls on something, that article, whatever its use, will be unclean. Whether it's made of wood, cloth, hide, or sackcloth, put it in water. It will be unclean till evening, and then it will be clean. If one of them falls into a clay pot, everything in it will be unclean, and you must break the pot. Any food you are allowed to eat that has come into contact with water from such pot is unclean, and any liquid that is drunk from such a pot is unclean. Anything that one of their carcasses falls on becomes unclean, and you are to regard them as unclean. A spring, however, or a cistern for collecting water remains clean, but anyone who touches one of these carcasses is unclean. If a carcass falls on any seeds that are to be planted, they remain clean. But if water has been put on the seed and a carcass falls on it, it's unclean for you. If an animal that you are allowed to eat dies, anyone who touches its carcass will be unclean till evening. Anyone who eats some of its carcass must wash their clothes and they will be unclean till evening. Anyone who picks up the carcass must wash their clothes and they will be unclean till evening. Every creature that moves along the ground is to be regarded as unclean. It must not be eaten. You are not to eat any creature that moves along the ground, whether it moves on its belly or walks in all fours or on many feet. It is unclean. Do not defile yourselves by any of these creatures. Don't make yourself unclean by means of them 
or to be made unclean by them. I am the Lord, your God. Consecrate yourselves and be holy because I am holy. Do not make yourself unclean by any creature that moves along the ground. I am the Lord who brought you up out of Egypt to be your God. Therefore, be holy because I am holy. Holy means set apart for sacred use. Uh, um, set apart. These are the regulations concerning animals, birds, every living thing that moves about in the water and every creature that moves along the ground. You must distinguish between the unclean and clean, between living creatures that may be eaten and those that may not be eaten. All right, there's the chapter. Now, the whole reason behind all these dietary instructions is found in 44 and 45. I am the Lord who brought you out of Egypt. Be your God. Therefore, be holy because I am holy. Be set apart. Like I'm set apart. There's no other God like me. There's no other God before me. I am the Lord your God. There is no other God but me. Our God is special, set apart. And so he's calling his people to be special and set apart. And these dietary instructions are part of that process of being set apart, making them different from the cultures around them. Now, when I read this, I'm thinking to myself last night, oh, Lord, I don't understand what I could pull out of this that would be of use. I mean, all right, I get the dietary restrictions and perhaps eating certain types of these foods is unhealthy. Maybe that's the reason. But the more I started digging into it, this one question kept bouncing into my head. First of all, what were the dietary habits of the cultures surrounding Israel? Because I know that God, one of the things that God wants Israel to be is different, set apart. They are to be different from the cultures around them. They're to be a light on the hill that attract people to Yahweh. And they, their lifestyle has to be different. And so I was began to ask myself, is this more of that? You know, because I remember reading someplace where, well, they didn't want them eating pigs because you can get trichinosis. But I started looking into that and I discovered that you can get trichinosis almost anywhere. And there's, all, there's not many studies that show that pork is more likely to give you trichinosis than not. So I'm wonder, I began to wonder if this is more of a symbolic thing and not necessarily a health-related thing. I'm sure there's health-related reasons in here. Uh, I've seen some dietary folks that find common sense dietary-wise in these restrictions. But I started wondering, and the big one that comes to mind is pigs, right? Pork. Well, let's. I'm going to read you a couple things I found in a couple articles. Uh, one of the things, though, was the very first thing that supports my thesis that maybe this is a cultural thing to set them apart from the cultures around them, was found on how meat was supposed to be cooked. Meat was usually boiled, but was also roasted as prescribed to the Paschal lamb in Passover. At no time could a kid be boiled in its mother's milk. All right, we see that. We've seen that in Exodus and, De and we're going to see it again in Deuteronomy. The regulation was later extended to include the prohibition against even eating milk and meat products together at the same meal. Now, here's the important point. Archaeology has proved it to have been a ban on a pagan practice. Findings at Ugarit, an ancient city whose ruins are located on the Syrian coast, have shown that it was a custom there 
to boil a kid in its mother's milk as a lucky charm. So when you see in other places where it tells Israel not to eat meat boiled in its mother's milk, it has nothing to do with health reasons. It has everything to do with making Israel stand out from its neighbors who had this pagan practice. And apparently this had to do with witchcraft, uh, a lucky charm. So Israel, don't do this. Not because there's anything wrong with milk and meat, but I don't want you to be identified with this pagan practice. You are called to be holy. Remember what it says up here? He says, therefore be holy because I'm holy. Therefore be set apart like I am. So don't boil meat in its mother's milk because the pagans do that. Nothing wrong with the meat. Nothing wrong with the milk. But when you do that, you look like your neighbors. And there's nothing that distinguishes you from them in that regard. Now, one of the most distinctive food practices in Judaism and Islam, for that matter, is avoidance of pork products. In Judaism, the prohibition has been a way of showing Jewish identity. I thought that was interesting because it supports my thesis, the fact that maybe these uh, practices, these dietary instructions were more for setting Israel apart from its neighbors. But now there is, a, there is a health reason here that could be involved with pigs, and I thought this was interesting. A common and persuasive argument was made in the Middle Ages by Moses Maimonides, who argued that the Torah prohibits swine for food because both their habits and their own food are dirty and loathsome. Eating swine would lead to disgusting homes and streets just because of the habits of the pigs and pigs would be roaming around and pigs like to roll around in mud and they're just disgusting creatures pretty much, making them dirtier than any cesspool. Indeed, he cites a Talmudic statement that the mouth of a swine is as dirty as dung itself. Now, this disapproval of the pig's food and habits is the most common explanation of this prohibition against pork. Swine do have food habits that are different from the main domesticated animals that are raised for food, in both ancient Israel and the modern world, namely cows, sheep, and goats. Pigs not only don't chew, cut, or graze on grass, but they will also eat waste of many kinds, such as animal and human dung, and slop and other leftover garbage, and they will eat meat, including human flesh and that of their own offspring. Moreover, Malmedes was alluding to the swine's other objectionable behavior of wallowing in urine and excrement when there isn't any mud around. The prohibition seems to go beyond the practical into the symbolic, though. Indeed, in the Hebrew Bible, eating pork is not only unclean, it is treated as disgusting and horrific. The book of Isaiah associates it, eating pork, with death, idolatry, and sin. Whatever the problem, it appears in some way to violate important cultural principles. Though this may be related in part to what pigs eat, there may be other contributing factors that are deeply entrenched in society and in fact related to the very construction of the social system. All the clean land animals listed in Deuteronomy, next book, uh, two books away actually, they all have a, re this, is, this is kind of interesting. All the clean land animals have a reproductive feature that's different from pigs. They give birth to sing, single offspring or at the most twins. Unlike cows, sheep, goats, and deer of various kinds, pigs give birth in litters. 
Now, in the modern world, the average pig gives birth to 12 piglets at a time. The record's 37. Thus, pig's manner of birth does not resemble that of clean animals, nor, importantly, does it resemble that of the Israelites and all humans. We give birth singly, usually, or twins. Reproductively speaking, pigs are incongruous with the Israelite community. And yet, uniparous, meaning bearing singly, animals, are considered a part of it and even observe it Sabbath. There's instructions about how you're supposed to set aside the firstborn of each of your farm animals. That's important. That's the animal that is given to the Lord. When pigs give birth to 12 or as many as 37, you can't identify who the firstborn is because they just come out in bunches. So there's there are some problematic things with pork and and that's I'm thinking that is probably carries over into the, a lot of these other animals. Um, part of it also the predators. They don't want you eating predators, uh, birds of prey, uh, animals that go in their paws like bears, lions, tigers. Don't eat them. Why? Maybe because these animals consume the meat of their prey while the blood is still in it. And we know what God says about eating meat with blood still in it. So perhaps because these predators eat meat with blood in it, that makes them unclean. Perhaps that. So there's, I think that there's less dietary reasons and more the fact that God wants his people to be separate, set apart, holy, consecrated. And if the culture around them is boiling uh, a kid, a lamb's kid or a goat's kid in its mother's milk, then don't you do it. Be different than the, the pagans that are around you. So that opens the door wide open to me asking myself this question. Do I resemble too much the world that is around me? I'm called to be, you know, God is holy. I'm called to be holy. God is set apart. There's no other God but him. I'm called to be set apart. Is there anything in my life that I could identify as something that would make me different from the world around me? I got a couple things. Um, first of all, know this, that as a Christian, on this side of the resurrection of Christ, I have liberty to do lots of things. For instance, there's nothing wrong with having a beer in my in my mind. I don't find any prohibition in the Bible against having a beer. Uh, there's prohibition in the Bible about getting drunk, but being under the influence, but there's nothing wrong with having a beer. In fact, many times in the past, I've had a beer. If I were to buy a six-pack today, it would probably last me a month or longer. Uh, I don't drink to get drunk. I just like beer. So I have the liberty to have that beer. Which means I have the liberty out in public if I want to, to order a beer when I have a meal. Or a glass of wine when I have a meal. But when I look around me, I have to ask myself the question, is there something that I'm doing that makes me look like the world around me looks. And if I look at this thing with alcohol, I have to go, hmm, yeah, it's not wrong to have the beer, 
But I want to be, I'm called to be set apart. I'm called to be different. Now, I'm not going to make it a law and say, thou shalt not drink beer. I'm not going to do that. We have liberty in that regard. But just as milk and meat together don't do anything wrong, there's nothing wrong dietary-wise with that. They were forbidden from doing that because it made them look like the pagans around them. I just bring up the thing with beer because I think that's a pretty common one. Um, and I'm rethinking that now in light of this passage of scripture. I'm, I'm rethinking the fact that maybe, you know, if I have liberty to have beer, then I have liberty to not have beer. And maybe it's one area that I can be different than the world around me. Um, is it a big deal? No, the world probably isn't even paying attention. But this, I, I'm not doing things because of what the world thinks or doesn't think. I want to do things because God says, be holy because I'm holy. I'm set apart. You be set apart. Does that make sense? Uh, this could be, apply to almost anything. Um, are there any habits in your life that would get you identified as part of the world rather than part of God's kingdom. You could still be a believer and drink beer. I think so. But like Paul said, all things are legal. But are all things right? I'm a, I have liberty to do everything. But in order to not offend, in order to be different than the world around me, there's things that I choose not to do. Right, so I'll just leave you with that question. What's your life look like as you live? What's your lifestyle like? Is there anything? And I'm not talking about you just uh, uh, doing radical things like uh, wearing only black and white clothing, plain clothing, or um, not cutting your hair, or uh, doing you know anything radical. It's just... As you live your life, is there anything that people could look at and say, there's nothing different between him and the rest of us? I think that would be a crime. So I'm just not going to throw in more guilt trip other than that out there. Just know that God has called us to be holy because he's holy. He's called us to be separate because he's separate. And we might have all the liberty in the world to do lots of things, but choose not to do these things because it makes you different than the world. I'm not sure that grammar was correct, but I hope you get what I'm talking about. That's where I'm going to leave it today. Folks, tomorrow, Leviticus 12, what mysteries does it unfold for us? I'm Paige. Here's my coffee. Folks, I'm out of here. Have a great day. Bye-bye. Thank you.